Welcome to the Powered by Age, Age-Friendly City Zoomcast, reality-style podcast. We are movers and shakers, shaking up the old notion of silent, helpless, invisible seniors. This is a new series of podcasts funded by the City of Vancouver and the 411 Senior Center Society. As PBA AFC ambassadors, we raise awareness, share our original stories and poems, inform, advocate, and involve seniors in discussing important social issues. In short, these podcasts will help us, you, in creating an age-friendly city for Vancouver today, tomorrow the world. You can hear us everywhere podcasts are heard. Good morning and welcome to Powered by Age, a senior-led podcast program sponsored by the 411 Senior Center with support from the City of Vancouver. I'm Charlotte Farrell, your host. Today, we're going to have a fantastic panel discussion on the digital divide. Penny Goldsmith is going to be the facilitator for that. But first, as we usually do, I'm going to ask our podcasters to introduce themselves and give their 15 seconds of fame intro. Uh, Sylvie? Hi, I'm Sophie Anderson. I'm from the West End Seniors Network and a virtual student at the moment. Leslie? Yes, I'm Leslie Hebert. I live in New Westminster. I am a member of Century House and I've been in the virtual world for many years. I actually teach English as a second language online to Japanese students. Thank you, Pat. Hi, I'm Pat. Uh, Pat Hogan. I'm from Vancouver, Van East, and I'm part of Quirky, the Queer Imaging and Writing Collective for Elders, an activist, a ballroom dancer, and that's it. Okay, Neil. Uh, I'm Neil Ryan. I'm an author um, um, because I paid to get published, so there you go. Um, Also recently won a prize uh, for a short story, and I write a lot of short stories. So Shared a lot of your short stories with us. Uh, Chris? I'm Chris, and um, I'm with Quirky, the same as Pat, and also a member of Britannia uh, Community Center. Joel? Justin, I'm here, yeah. Uh, I'm Joel, I'm uh, one of the founders of PodStream Studios, and Luke and I are here in uh, technical support, as well as maybe uh, chiming in with a couple of uh, hot takes on uh, Luke? Hey, I'm uh, Luke Schuss, and I'm finally recovered from some horrible food poisoning, so good to be here. And now I'd like to introduce Penny Goldsmith, Penny's a longtime anti-poverty activist and the author of Storming the Digital Divide, the PovNet story. She's been involved with helping to provide internet access to marginalized people in BC for many years. Penny's a member of the 411 Senior Center and is on the Senior Issues Committee, where issues about the digital divide and its impact on seniors in the lower manlang often surface. She's also on the Office of the Seniors Advocate Council of Advisors. Penny, Penny will introduce uh, our famous panel for today. Thanks, Charlotte. Um, And thank you all for being here. Um, To add to Charlotte's introduction, I confess I'm a completely self-taught internet geek who learned early that I only wanted and needed to know a technology so I could use it for social justice work that I've been engaged with for many years. Um, I'd like to invite two guests we have in the audience today with particular experience of the digital divide, Nikki Dunlop and Kate Fish, to briefly introduce themselves before we start. Nikki? Hi, everyone. Um, Thank you. Um, I'm Nikki Dunlop. I'm the executive director of PovNet. Um, For those of you who aren't familiar with us, uh, PovNet's a nonprofit organization that was started in 1997. Um, We have a website with a Find an Advocate map that helps match community advocates and other poverty law services with those in need of things um, such as tenancy issues, accessing um, provincial federal benefits, um, family law matters, debt problems, things like that. Um, We also support those advocates and lawyers and frontline workers um, with the tools that they need to provide that service. Uh, We've built an online community where they can communicate and collaborate on projects and we provide training for them to build both legal and tech skills um, so they can work more efficiently and effectively. Um, We also act as conveners and facilitators bringing people together to work on systemic issues uh, and push for change. 
the digital divide is an issue around and issues around connectivity um, are an example of that. Um, my interests in this area um, are primarily around access to information and access to justice. Um, I believe everyone in BC must have access to the internet regardless of their economic position. Um, and the government and justice systems cannot move services online without ensuring first that everyone has access to them. Um, I think these last six months have shone a bright light on that issue. And I think this is a great time to push for change around that. Um, so I'm very grateful to be part of this conversation and excited to be here. Thank you, Nikki. And Kate? Hi everyone, my name is Kate Fish and I'm the newest addition to the PovNet team. I'm their online community manager and I started almost a year ago as they transitioned from um, an online community platform that they'd been using for almost 20 years into a new platform um, and kind of a system for the anti-poverty online community. And um, I'm certainly interested in the topic of connectivity, um, but I also really love doing online community work. And I do that both in my role with PovNet, but also um, as a, in my spare time, <laughs> I do the same thing. So, um, and I love, uh, I love working with people in relation to tech and uh, learning new digital skills. So um, I'm really excited for this panel and thank you for um, having me today. Thank you. Thanks, Kate. Um, welcome, Anne and Mary from Bellacoola. You got here. <laughs> um, my experience of what happens when a general conversation takes place about problems older adults face when dealing with technology is that seniors are often stereotyped into a box of they don't know how to use the internet or computers or online networks. All we need is training to make it possible. My experience tells me that it is rarely the reason that seniors have trouble getting online. Today, we're going to hear from a group of experts who will talk about what the real issues are and some things we can do to address these issues. Once they've all spoken, they'll speak for about five minutes each. There will be time for you to ask questions and share your stories about the digital divide. We'll start with Patsy Craig. Patsy's on the board of 411 Senior Centers and is an information and referral volunteer with 411. Most of the seniors she works with have multiple concerns concerning accessing resources, services, perhaps health, mobility concerns. And Patsy helps them to prioritize, access, and navigate, and complete the forms, systems, and telephone calls. Patsy, can you tell us some of the stories you've been hearing from seniors who contact 411 about the difficulties they have accessing the internet and how it affects their lives, especially during the pandemic? Thank you. Uh, yes, I, I, I hope I can impart um, the concerns of many of the seniors that I am, uh, you know, introduced to and working with. And my uh, intent is, of course, always not to be doing for them, but to try and activate them and, and get involved themselves and how, but it's primarily how to do it. Um, you know, how to, how to approach some of their problems. And um, how to access and do as much as they can on their own. Um, but we also have a number of, of seniors who are quite isolated, have um, uh, socially isolated, um, and you know this COVID has really impacted them and as well as just general, uh, you know, seniors in, in general. Um, what you know some of the things that they are telling me that you know they're not connected and they need they need they're wanting to connect connect with their whether it's their neighbors um but you know dealing with um the outs their the outside community as well um they're frightened when they have to deal with government issues for example or how to access their benefits um how to access services and resource other resources and some of the things that we're coming up with most certainly is, of course, number one is access to, to uh, you know, digital equipment, techno technological equipment, including telephones, especially with the cell phone. Um, accessing all the different services and even their neighbors or friends and, and, uh, and relatives. Um, access, for example, during COVID, of course, the library has closed down for those who have an interest or they, they're not opening. Uh, sufficiently enough for for our seniors who who 
who really rely on, for, for the seniors that really rely on, on the libraries and other community resources such as 411 had also access to some computers and some training um, if they wish. That is no longer available to them at this time, um, during this time, unless they are, you know, that, that's primarily, you know, is the access first. A lot of it is, I think also the, the cost of services and equipment. It's, it's, um, it, it's just prohibitive in uh, you know the cost of getting on internet, the cost of the equipment itself, whether it's a computer, a tablet, um, uh, you know the telephone, especially a cell phone, things of that nature, um, on a monthly basis that takes a good chunk of their of their low you know their their budget. Um, a lot of them also have you know the fear, if you like, the fear of um, or in anxiety around, you know, utilizing uh, computerization. They want that personal contact and connection. The voice is even better than, um, you know, having to deal through a screen or, a, um, you know, voice as well. Um, but they want to talk to a person. Um, they want to feel like hands-on. Uh, there's also, you know, literacy issues as well, and I'm not even talking about language literacy as uh, there is that definitely, but also the literacy around, um, you know, technology and what's um, the jargon that we use in the, in the community as well. Um, definitely, uh, they, if, particularly if they didn't use um, or utilize a computer perhaps in their form, you know, in their work life or their, and their schooling, we, I sure didn't. <laughs> I did most certainly in my, in my uh, work life, but uh, very few of us will have, have been introduced to computers and other technology early on uh, in, our, in our lives. Um, and a lot of those who might have had some connection was often, you know, you just went in and you kind of tabulated. All you had to do was just fill in the blanks and it was all set up for you. You didn't have to do any searching or anything. You, you know, it was, it was trained. It was kind of by route, rote. I wanted to talk, you know, the, about the closures and things, but also I wanted to also bring in the issues of, and I'm putting it in the digital, is the, is the phones, the phone system in dealing with most of our agencies and organization, organizations, almost uh, even companies, and definitely our government. And seniors are really um, taken aback by, um, and, you know, uh, by the telephone system that we have in place. There's a lot of nattering going on. There's a lot of information, you know, in, while you're on wait, for example. And there's so much, inter, you know, information that's thrown at you, you, you don't know what push what button for what. You've lost all track. It's really when you want to speak with an, in, all you want to do is just say, to speak to an agent, press, <laughs> press one. You may be on hold, but at least you know you're eventually going to get there. The other way is extremely um, daunting and they're hanging up before they get going. Thanks, Patsy. This is a great beginning, um, and we will keep this conversation going. And there'll be questions, I'm sure, from from uh, from people once we've all spoken. Um, I'd like to introduce next um, Mary Mack, who is an elder in Bella Coola, who's on the Nuchilpa board of um, NAL, and um, also giving input um, in the discussion is Anne Fletcher, the anti-poverty advocate at the Bella Coola Legal Advocacy Program. I'd like to just um, start with a quote. Um, that um, I got read on uh, Twitter last week. Um, Dr. Cindy Blackstone, who's the executive director of the First Nations Child and Family Caring Society, tweeted last week that only 24% of First Nations, Métis and Inuit homes and businesses have broadband access. For those of you thinking remoteness is the reason, the International Space Station, which orbits 400 kilometers above Earth and has a population of six people, has excellent service. Mm -hmm. Um, Mary, um, welcome. And I just I wanted to start by asking you, um, how does the lack of internet services in your region affect how elders in particular in your community access services and other resources that are only available online? Oops, can't hear you. 
just check the just a second you've got a um and do you um do you perhaps have a um um speaker on or do you have a headset we can see you <laughs> you can hear us obviously um, did she enable computer audio? Yeah, if you can, did you enable the audio? You, you're not on mute. Um, hmm. Any suggestions from our experts? <laughs> Aaron maybe, or Vivica? Maybe try leaving the meeting and joining again. Okay, yeah, okay. Usually there's an option to phone in as well. If yeah, I know, I know. Okay, so you can try leaving and coming back, and Yeah, I know. Yeah. Okay. We'll, um, we're going to, um, we're going to, um, leave. Anne, can you hear us? We're going to leave you for now and, um, see whether you can figure it out and we'll come back to you. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, David. Um, you're next up. Um, David's been a board member of 411 Senior Center since 2014. In recent years at 411, David has participated in programs that provide refurbished laptop computers free for low-income members, and he is currently advocating for low-cost home internet access for seniors on the Guaranteed Income Supplement. David, talk about your current project. David? Well, thank you for uh, asking me to participate. As, as, as Patsy mentioned, you know, internet services are extremely important to our members and cost, cost of equipment. Yes? Cost of equipment and access is uh, are really two barriers. About two years ago, uh, I learned about a program that provided uh, free laptop computers for schools and charitable organizations called Reuse Tech. BC, and it has some connection with TELUS. So I applied for uh, laptop computers, and I was so far I've been able to get about 40 laptop computers that we've been given to our members. Some of our members knew what to do with them, and so we just gave it to them. Some of them wanted some training and uh, so far we've been you know getting great reports and and the demand for these laptop computers is greater than we can actually provide we also were able to provide low-cost desktop computers from this organization so if you want to know more about this organization i i can forward their uh, internet link to, to Penny and she can uh, send it to the group. In any event, um, at the same time, even though many of our members were very pleased to have the laptop computers they could not afford, home internet access because many of them you know are on low income or guaranteed income uh, so early in july we uh, 411 sent letters to several of the internet providers shaw rogers and Telus to ask if they would be willing to provide low-cost internet 
to low-income seniors. And uh, we received a reply from TELUS that they do have a program called TELUS for Good for persons with disabilities and low-income families, but they had not yet been uh, providing it to seniors on GIS. In any event, they agreed to a meeting with us. So in July, we had a Zoom meeting with several representatives us, and part of the uh, outcome of this meeting is that they asked us to make a proposal to institute a pilot project for members of 411 that would uh, provide low-cost internet services of $10 a month for some of our members who are at GIS. So we provided a submission on July 30th, which we asked uh, TELUS to institute this program for up to 15 of our members as a pilot project, and we provided statements from seven or eight of our members about how this low-cost internet or affordable internet would significantly improve their lives. So we sent in our proposal on July 30th, and uh, we have not yet uh, received a reply. So obviously it was August, Labor Day, so we're, we're expecting to hear from TELUS very soon about uh, whether this program will go ahead. So that's, that's our participation so far. Thanks, David, that's great. Okay, now Anne, do we have you back in? You were here on the phone, yeah? Um, while you're coming in, okay, let's just try, let's wait and see for a second, see where they're coming. A moment of silence. <laughs> One of the reasons we wanted to um, have Anne and um, Mary come in from Bella Coola is exactly because it's a, you know, it just shows what um, the additional difficulties are on when you're on, when you're coming from up north in Bella Coola. Okay, you're in? Great, we can see you, good. Okay, maybe you should um, go, off the, go off the visual, and Hello. Hi, hi. Okay, we got you. <laughs> um, Mary, um, would you tell us some, something about um, how the lack of internet services is affecting elders in your community? Well, we really don't have too much services for anybody here. Uh, the elders, I mean, <laughs> they don't uh, have anybody to help them. We have no to teach us here and we just depend on our children to to be able to put anything on for us through the computer so most of us here still use paper for phone bills light bills and things like that they tell us they're going paperless, but we don't have any access. Oh, there's something binging here. Um, but they, we don't have access to computers. We have so much trouble with internet, as you noticed there. And if we're going to do have anything with the government, we just depend on our, as I said, our children to do it for us. But so we're becoming dependent on them and we don't like it. We've been uh, trying not to. So I know in my, my case, I have uh, just don't do it if I can't, if I can't get it done myself. And then my daughter has to fix everything up for me. Excuse uh, me for one second, Mary. Um, and if you turn off your um, your uh, your um, uh, audio, it'll stop the echo. There's an echo, Mary. You're, you're coming in twice. <laughs> yeah, I'm muted. 
no, just you need to maybe you need to, oh, you need to turn. We've got two things going at once, so maybe turn off the zoom, like the actual the visual. Um, I need some help here. Um, it's because the phone is picking up the computer's audio. So if she turns off the audio on the laptop or the computer, oh, then okay. it will pick up the audio. Okay. Do you hear that, Anne? Yeah. Okay. Great. Thanks, Erin. <laughs> okay. So, Mary. Oh, look, it's worse. Ouch. There. Okay. Mary, um, oh, Mary got muted. Can we unmute the phone? Whoever did that? Yeah, I, I muted it because it was. I know. Can you, can, you, can you turn it on again? The phone. Uh, Please. I, I hit the button, but she has to approve it. Um. Um. Mary, can you hear me? Um, if you if you click on star six, it should unmute you. There you go. Perfect. Thank you. Okay. Hi, Mary. Again, sorry about that. <laughs> okay. okay. I, think we've got, I didn't we've got, know about that. Yeah, we're still echoing, but I think we'll just go with it. Okay, we can hear you. So. Yeah. So yeah. So you yeah, were saying that technology in Bellacula is really bad. We uh, have a lot of problems with internet, with cell phone, so we don't use it a lot. And we haven't had it yet. We don't have fiber optic, and hopefully we'll be get it within the next five years. But. We have absolutely no income to help us here. We we only get our checks once a month, and then everything has to be paid then. And then with groceries and things, because we're so isolated here, have the prices have come up a lot, and we just are really struggling here. We've had to depend a lot on uh, other people, hoping that they'll help us out. And we have had some people bring us vegetables and fresh vegetables, and uh, we couldn't get any wild meat yet because it's uh, not the season. So we just sort of have to depend on what we've got and. I know I know some of the other others are really self um, they're suffering and we can't go out and visit with them we can't check on them because a lot of them as you know won't talk on the phone unless somebody will answer it for them they're afraid of all the technology and we can't go and talk to them, so it makes it hard. And money-wise, they are suffering. So um, prices have come up so much in the stores that the things that they did depend on uh, being able to buy, they just can't afford it anymore. So it makes it really hard for them. Thank you, Mary. Um, I'm glad that you were able to talk to us and finally to get through because, um, and I think that this is actually a good example of how difficult it is sometimes, the connections, but um, but uh, um, this has been, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to have heard your story. Thank you. Um, Could I add one thing? Yeah, sure. But um, Anne, yeah, turn off, turn off your computer. Turn it right off. Well, turn off the speaker. It's the speaker that's the problem. Yeah. I don't know how to do that. Okay, just get away from it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, 
join the I want, to, I want to let people know that, that we can't get any of these like TELUS free or cheaper deals for elders because TELUS has no internet in here. And then when I also see like um, people in supplement maybe getting assistance financially with internet and none of that is available here. So if you read the fine print, it's not available to remote communities. So that's an additional hardship as far as us trying to access things. And there's no like, there's no fiber optics, so there's no unlimited internet, and it's, it's quite expensive. That's all I want to say. Thank you. <laughs> yes, yes, and it's, it's uh, yeah, and stay on the line, okay, because there'll be some questions afterwards. Okay. Um, Vivica. Um, Vivica is the coordinator of the BC Poverty Reduction Coalition and is a passionate advocate for reducing poverty. She has lived experience of it herself. She's a community organizer, and um, Vivica, what happens when people can't afford internet services, especially when public computers are not available in libraries, senior centers, and community centers during the pandemic? Well, thank you so much, Penny, for asking that question and having me here. Um, I'm just so excited to have this opportunity to learn and listen to all of you and, and to really gather so much valuable insight into how this issue impacts seniors and the diversity of communities throughout BC. So, Thank you so much. Um, I guess what I wanted to share today is that uh, throughout the pandemic, since the very beginning, since it really hit in March, a diversity of our coalition members, community members, communities throughout BC have, have brought this issue to the Poverty Reduction Coalition. Um, and so listening to all that feedback from Indigenous on and off reserve communities, from the settlement and newcomer serving organizations and communities, um, youth, uh, children and families trying to access education, um, so really broad diversity. Um, it, 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 you know, we know the extent to which the pandemic has revealed the digital divide. Um, and so since June, the coalition, after we convened to talk about priorities during the pandemic, this emerged as a very, very strong theme through all of our conversations about what, what should be prioritized at this time. Um, so I convened a working group and, and we've been developing an ask, um, a, a bigger picture policy ask that really gets at this issue. Um, and, you know, what, what we've heard from a diversity of, of communities is that um, maybe I can start with the, the Poverty Reduction Coalition has a human rights foundation to all that we do, all the advocacy and all the policy that we recommend. Um, so we're looking at this issue from a human rights perspective. And in 2016, the United Nations did declare access to the internet a human right and amended the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. And that same year, the, Canadian, the CRTC declared access to the internet a basic service in Canada. So we have a foundation there looking at it from a human rights perspective. And what's really come forward from the community and from everybody is that it, it is about, there's the, the, the right that we all have to connect with community and family and to access all the services that have now shifted online. But also the internet further protects our access to other fundamental rights, like our right to access healthcare with mental health services and so many telehealth and rural communities and our right to access education in all its forms. Higher education is solely online. Um, we know many families, the children can't go back to school or choose not to go back to school. Um, so looking at it from that framework, and then the other really important piece is the impact of the BC First Nations Technology Council on our ask, um, which is really looking at it from the perspective of, of um, spectrum sovereignty and UNDRIP and how we can prioritize um, on and off reserve communities and prioritize um, uh, the, the connectivity as well as the affordability issue. So to go back to answering your question after that preamble, um, absolutely, it's affordability that has been brought forward that so this forms the basis of our basic ask, which is for $10 a month internet for everybody in British Columbia below the market basket measure. So below below our poverty line. Um, and that would include all low income seniors and everybody any seniors who access the GIS. Um, our poverty reduction strategy that we have in place. We have an opportunity to really make a case to our provincial government that this is an essential service and thousands of British Columbians are shut out. And now this can deepen inequities because 
so many are left behind when it comes to accessing everything online. Um, so that's our first ask. And then the second piece is $10 a month high-speed internet access for everybody accessing education in British Columbia. And I wanted to, to answer your question, Penny, something that really came through to us was from Mosaic um, and this, the newcomer community about um, settling seniors and their access to ESL classes online um, and the access that they need to community and connections and even to their, uh, you know, the, the managers and directors that are facilitating their access to so many other services. Um, so our ask around education includes not just higher education and secondary and elementary, but all forms of education, whether that's somebody completing their grade 12 certificate or accessing, you know, government provided ESL classes. Um, and to, to, to catch all of the educational opportunities that seniors are in need. It's already been summarized here so eloquently around um, by David and others around um, also the access to technology. That when we talk about internet access, of course, we need to talk about the technology and the devices that we need for everybody to, to, to achieve unlimited access. So we want to advocate for a much larger publicly funded, publicly provided kind of technology fund that people who are below the poverty line, low income folks, including all low income seniors could apply to. So building on that fund that David mentioned. Um, and the third piece is to increase training um, for all. Um, and of course, to have targeted, because we know during the pandemic, online safety, um, online crime has increased, uh, child sex exploitation has increased, um, and so we, we want much more publicly funded, universally accessible training for safety, security, and privacy for, for all of us to develop those digital literacy skills collectively. So the, the one last point I wanted to make is that when we look at the federal program that's just targeting low-income families, very limited program, and then we look at what TELUS has ruled out, um, our vision is for publicly funded, publicly provided internet service. So the longer term piece is is really looking at it as a universal basic service. So when we, we develop these piecemeal programs together, uh, grandparents and seniors and families and, and, and everybody um, who is in need to, to have that access, not to necessarily prioritize just communities on disability um, or, or any other group. So I think I'll, I'll probably um, stop there. We have, um, um, you know, we're, we're ready to, bring this ask to government um, and make this case because we feel that, uh, so it'd be really fantastic to have um, the ongoing input of a number of the organizations and, and individuals here on further building this policy to make sure that, that we really meet the needs of, of seniors. Thank so you, Vicky, that's all. great. Um, um, last in our group, we have um, one of the things that the purposes of this podcast is to give us some tools to engage with governments and organizations who have the resources to do something about the digital divide. Erin Knight will suggest some actions we can take. Erin's a digital rights campaigner at Open Media. Are you there still, Erin? I am. Thank you so much. And thank Great. you so much for having me here. Uh, first, I'll just give a little bit of a background so everyone can understand where open media is coming from and why our community approaches this issue the way that we do and how you can get involved. Um, but, you know, as everyone's already made abundantly clear in this call, seniors across many walks of life have been left behind for years when it comes to accessing affordable and good quality internet. Um, that's true more than ever, especially right now during the pandemic. Um, and yet basically nothing has been done by our federal leaders since the spring to rapidly address the problem. The government, in my opinion, has really dropped the ball on this uh, in more ways than one. Um, their approach back when the pandemic started should have been relatively straightforward. Um, at minimum, they should have finally released the funds that they already had set aside back in 2019 to get everyone, especially, um, especially seniors, connected right now. And in fact, actually, the Minister of Rural Economic Development, Mary Monseth, uh, her universal um, or her mandate is universal internet. Um, she said back in June that applications for this funding from 2019 would be opening, uh, and I quote, in the coming days, <laughs> but it's now, you know, three months after that quote, um, and it's six months since the pandemic began and nothing has happened. So, so far, the government really hasn't made good on even that simple promise from last year, uh, let alone made any new uh, pandemic specific moves to close the digital divide for seniors. 
purely on affordability though, um, they finally moved things <laughs> in the opposite direction of what we want. So just a couple of weeks ago, uh, Innovation Minister Navdeep Bains, uh, he made a decision on internet wholesale rates, prioritizing profits for telecom giants uh, over the well-being of Canadians. And that's actually already making internet prices even more expensive as we speak. So for seniors who are living on a fixed income um, or any you know, small variation in price there can have a big impact. And if you ask me, I think the federal government has seriously let seniors down, uh, especially lower income seniors. Um, but with all that, I do have some good news. Uh, the open media community, uh, the open media community has really been fighting back. Um, our active campaigns right now are aimed at government officials and representatives who are responsible for fixing Canada's internet and getting seniors online uh, with affordable access. And so if you're fired up about this, I want you to take action with us. And I can tell you how. Uh, we're going to be reading out a couple of uh, website addresses. So if you'd like to just write them down or you may want to grab a pen and piece of, uh, a piece of paper and a pen, um, I'll give you a couple seconds to do that. Um, but first off, uh, so you can head to openmedia.org slash get Canada connected. Uh, and there you can sign our petition asking federal government uh, to release a plan to connect our communities right now. And that is openmedia.org slash get Canada connected. And if you have a story to tell about bad, expensive, uh, or non-existent internet during the pandemic, which I know many of you do, um, you can also go to openmedia.org slash dear Miriam Mamonsev. And there you can submit your story and we'll plaster it, you know, publicly all over social media. Um, and that's going to help pressure Minister Monsef to actually act on this issue. Um, and again, that one is openmedia.org slash dear Miriam Monsef. And if you have trouble with those URLs, that's totally okay. Uh, you can just head to openmedia.org. That's our main website. And if you click on campaigns, you'll find everything you need right there. Um, and then also, if you're going to head to our website, you might just want to keep an eye out for some of our brand new campaigns uh, that are coming out very, very soon, uh, fighting for affordable internet access. Um, those will be very exciting, I think, for all of you. And I think everyone uh, who's listening today will really find that interesting. Um, so thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Erin. Now we've got a lot to do. Uh, now we have, um, we have 10 or 15 minutes left for questions. Um, I'm going to um, hand over the, um, the uh, hosting to um, Charlotte. And if you have a question or would like to make a comment, put up your hand like this, and then she will see you and she will keep track, okay? <laughs> okay. So, and then those, um, and you can, you can actually, um, you can wave, but then we can get on again on the phone, right? <laughs> You've got both things going. <laughs> so. okay, I'd just like to say thank you to the panel for the way that you succinctly identified all those issues. And they are definitely things that people within our Powered by Age uh, podcast have brought up. We had about 44 people that were recruited in January for the program. And tearfully, some weeks we talked to people who just aren't able to connect because they can't afford the the internet they have they have the internet but they have an email address but they do not have the internet and we know that this type of communication has been something that helps prevent loneliness and is one of the things that um just connects the connectivity so thank you and you know we'll be urging people to get on those campaigns to make the government hold up its promises and to do other things so that everyone is connected if we can connect people in space definitely we can connect people across the country okay uh comments pat did you have a comment unmute yourself <laughs> or a thought uh, not at the moment. I, there's a lot there to absorb. I think I'll just rather listen and hear, hear what other people have to say at the moment. Okay, you know it's like an auction, so if you shake your head or move. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, Joe, what do you think about these issues? You have to unmute yourself. Um, yeah, I'm reflecting on these because I just uh, kind of came out of a meeting with some of these similar discussions uh, relating to my, my boss's uh, lab that he's starting up in uh, Carleton regarding uh, Indigenous entrepreneurship and leadership and uh, questions of what, what problems are being addressed in the communities. It's come up. So I wasn't expecting this conversation to continue in here. But uh, I'm taking it all into account and having a call with them right after. So 
Um, I'm just processing it all. Um, it's, it's interesting, the overlap between um, what's happening remotely in actual remote communities and now remotely in our own cities uh, because we have to be separated. So it's, uh, you know, the fact that we're dealing with a similar type of problem, even though the distance uh, geographically isn't necessarily there. But if we can solve the problems in one context, hopefully we can do it on the other. Uh, even though there are obviously differences between getting broadband to reach out to those places. Um, so that's just kind of my, my thoughts right now. Is there another? Sylvie, what do you think? You have to unmute you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I actually um, uh, have questions for Aaron on this open media, um, the campaigns. I'm, I'm really interested in that because frequently when I get pissed off about issues and then ask myself, well, what can I do about it? I, I draw a blank. So, um, and it seems that whatever I decide to do, um, just to do something, it lacks a lot of um, clout because I'm doing it individually. And so to do it collectively probably um, would be much more efficient and, and much more worthwhile. So can you give me kind of a brief overview, Aaron, of um, what kind of campaigns? Is it sort of mainly um, letter writing or, um, because I think a lot of people, too, when they're in the position to speak for or about um, issues in which they believe, don't really know where to start. And I think that that's true of like local issues in Vancouver, um, going to a city council, how do you do that? How do you get on the agenda? What do you say to, most, to make the most impact? So those are the kind of questions I have. If you want to act, if you want to do something, how do you do it collectively? Um, is it mainly by a letter writing? In which case, often the letter is provided for you, I think, and you just, it's a template. Um, but, you know, if you want to go in person, that, those kinds of things. What types of campaigns do you run? Mm -hmm. Sorry, I uh, turned off my video just to preserve audio quality. Um, those are all very, very great uh, points that you raised. And that's something I think that everyone would probably uh, benefit from learning a little bit more about in all walks of life. But um, you're entirely correct when you say that um, collective action really has that greater clout because, you know, we are up against telecommunications companies that have the ear of our ministers and have the ear of our representatives and they have much more power than the individual person does. Um, and that's something that the open media community, I think, really harnesses well, um, is all of the folks who are all fired up about an issue, just regular people uh, like you, you or I. Um, and bringing them together um, to collectively speak out about an issue uh, to our government or to whoever uh, the campaign is targeting. So um, when it comes to different kinds of actions that you can take uh, with our organization, um, we, re we do really try to vary it. Uh, so you do have different options um, when it comes to how much um, energy or effort uh, each person's willing to put into a certain uh, certain campaign. So we do have various campaigns that are about signing on to a petition, which is a pre-written petition uh, that Open Media has uh, drafted sometimes with uh, with help from other organizations such as uh, ACORN um, or Siberia or, you know, folks like that across Canada. Um, but we do have other options like uh, the Dear Miriam Monsef campaign that I was referring to um, earlier. Um, that's an opportunity for folks to really tell their stories. Um, there's no pre-written template. There's no um, guidance, really. It's just what what's your story and how would you tell it? Um, and we have a, a box where you can type in uh, your question or we do have, um, or sorry, not your question, your story. Um, we do also have with that campaign an option to phone in um, and you can find that on the campaign website as well. So you can phone in. Um, it actually goes directly to my uh, voicemail inbox. So I would be the one uh, listening to your story and I would be able to share it from there. Um, so there's different ways to get involved. Um, but you know, when it comes down to it, uh, as an individual, the more folks that you can um, talk to about the issue and really just get the issue 
um, going in your circles and in your neighborhoods. I think personally, like that is the most powerful action because um, at the end of the day, you you have a representative in parliament and that representative is listening to the folks that are in uh, their riding. And so when you make it a conversation with your neighbors and whether that's online or offline, um, I think that's going to have the biggest impact. Um, so you can do that through open media or you can do that on your own. Um, but I think like just no matter what, um, just getting that conversation going is probably the best place to start. Thank you. Thank you. Erin, could you give the website address again? And just so you said the word open media, but could you just clarify again what open media means? Absolutely. So um, you can head to our website, which is openmedia.org. Um, and what Open Media does is we are a nonprofit um, advocacy organization that fights for a free and open internet for all. Um, and we operate on three main pillars, and those are um, free expression, um, privacy, as well as access. And so this conversation really uh, focuses heavily on access. And within that, we consider um, affordability to be an issue of access as well. Um, but in general, when it comes to um, this kind of stuff. Um, we really are just fighting for everyone to have um, the same internet uh, that the best of us enjoy in Canada, you know, the people that are considered like the ones who receive uh, the best services from, from telecom, um, who we think that, you know, everyone should receive the same services from telecom, regardless of where you are, who you are, um, and everyone should be able to afford it. Um, so that's, that's where we're focused on that. Chris, you had a question, yeah. Yes. Um, um... I, I'd like to say that um, uh, at Britannia, there's a, there's a computer room. However, the senior center at Britannia has been closed since March, which means I'm sure that the majority of seniors that participate at, um, at the senior center at Britannia, and maybe others as well, have just have not had any access currently. I, I'm so aware of how much it costs. I'm on a, the guaranteed income supplement as well. Um, and, and fortunately I have a little bit more of an, a little bit more of an income, but it's, it's very costly um, to have the equipment and to, I mean, and this is in the city of Vancouver. This is so, um, I mean, I certainly get that, that the rural areas are even more disadvantaged because of the lack of, the lack of service, um, as well as the same barriers in terms of cost and, and that kind of stuff. But I think, I think it's really clear from this pandemic that there are so many people who really would n will not have had access probably to anything since March because of the lack of access through senior centers. Marion, did you have a comment? Yes. Um, I've actually, I had to go off, but I found this really, really fascinating and really interesting. So thank you, Penny and Charlotte for organizing it. Um, and I agree with Chris, you know, we have computers for seniors to use at the 411 Senior Center, but people haven't been able to use them since the pandemic. I just want to say a couple of things. The 411 Senior Center, we're working on it, and if we have a Seniors Issues Committee that's actually meeting next week. And, and one of the issues on our, on our, um, on our agenda is a divide. So I think, um, and people are, 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 are welcome to join the committee. So if, if you're interested, um, you know, you can email um, me or, 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 or somebody and we can get you on. But it's also really clear that, that um, although, you know, people like David and, and Patsy are doing amazing, amazing and hard, hard and great work that we should look at, at working with the BC Poverty Reduction and with the um, open media, because we all have the same issues. That's it. Yes, definitely the panel has, in, has shown the benefit of collaboration and the need to collaborate because uh, they're talking about possibly even a longer closure for senior centers or making us more dependent on remote media. So getting in 
that money that you you mentioned um, in 2019 uh, that was supposed to help get uh, universal internet. Is there any way that we can weigh in on or contact the person that's dealing with that? Is that is that a question provincially? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, for, like provincially, um, it's Michelle Mongal and the the Ministry of um, Jobs and Infrastructure. Um, and then, but we, we've identified thirteen ministries that actually, you know, ought to be concerned with this issue, either because access to the internet is is crucial to access the services of those ministries. Um, and including, for example, the Ministry of Housing, because one of the things that we'll advocate for is for $10 a month affordable internet to be built in to all forms of nonprofit and affordable housing in BC. So looking at it, kind of a paradigm shift, beginning to look at it as essential as hot water or a stove or a fridge um, or heat to a home um, and, and really advocating for that. So I can send you the list, Charlotte, if you want, the list of the 13 ministries um, that we identified that we're going to advocate to for this because it really should be a cross government mandate, a part of our poverty reduction strategy, but also the Ministry of Health, Ministry of Higher Education, uh, Ministry of Education, Mental Health and Addictions. Um, it concerns uh, really access to almost all government services in BC at this time. And I think just to mention too that everything we're doing very much ties into the federal campaign because. BC ACORN is in our working group. So it's very much like we want to support the federal campaign. And then in the meantime, really lobby British Columbia to come in with the, the money we know we have to take away that barrier of affordability while continuing to keep that fire lit under our federal government to really take the responsibility that they should. So there's a, there's a balance there to strike around what we should, you know, for our emergency response here provincially and then also keeping the fire lit federally the big picture. So I, I think I have a comment too. similar to Sylvie's. Uh, could you share your website again or ways because she said, you know, individually people might want to write letters, but if they could contact you about either letters you already have written or, you know, particular campaigns or things that they could join, that would be very helpful. It'll, next week, there'll be more options provincially. I think, so could you want to just say what your website is again? Oh, yes, sure. Nothing is up yet because it would come out next week. <laughs> um, but I will put it uh, here. Um, Just and say it as well. And, oh, d d uh, bcpovertyreduction.ca. It's kind of a mouthful, sorry. Um, there. Great, thank you. Okay, well, thank you again, Penny. Do you have any closing statements or encouragement that you'd like to say <laughs> to our listeners? Yeah, I would like to thank um, everyone who came um, to talk very much indeed. Um, I really appreciate um, what you've had to say, and I think that it's kind of connected some of the issues as well, which is a very important way. I want to say one thing. Um, I was um, involved with PovNet when it first started in 1997. And at that time, the internet was fairly new, certainly for nonprofits and for anti-poverty activists and advocates. Um, I'm finding that actually the digital divide is worse now than it was in 1997. Because in 1997, um, people did have ways of talking to each other um, and the internet was a useful resource. Now, it's the only way you can get services that you, know, that you are entitled to um, and you're left out um, in a much bigger way than you were when in 1997 when PubNet started, which was like 20 years ago now. So it's really important that we that we keep the pressure on. And I think that um, if we can share those um, websites um, with everyone who was here today, as well as with the 411 Seniors Issues Group, um, you know, maybe we can start working, you know, communally. Um, to whoops, what did you have to say? Yeah, and 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 Anne says we need access and skills with the internet in order to improve access and skills. Yes, <laughs> which is which is certainly which is certainly true. Um, so um, yeah, let's just keep let's just keep talking. I mean, this is an important, a really important issue. And I'm going to be, you know, talking about this issue. We're sharing the information with uh, this Friday morning speak up, listen up, act upon show because there are so many connections between uh, poverty and income with seniors and college students. And so 
if we get onto the same deck and we, you know, join these campaigns to for advocacy, join these aware, awareness campaigns, and hold the government accountable as well as private industry. Like you said, you know, it's worse now. If you make a call to anyone, you get music, ads, promotions. So I think we can all, as as consumers of those different things, send letters to their. Uh, consumer affairs or whatever that we want to hear a human. This has been Powered by Age, an age-friendly senior-led podcast for September the 10th, 2020.